Hey, good morning, church. Well, I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, I let the first crowd out about six minutes early. But don't get your hopes up, all right? We'll see how it goes. But uh, did you enjoy the sunshine coming in? Oh, my goodness, absolutely. So we'll go out and play in the sun here in a few minutes. We'll get out early and go play in the sun a little bit. Have your Bibles open God's Word, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Today is the last message in the series called, My Prayer for You. In this series, we've been looking at the prison prayers of the Apostle Paul. That is, we're looking at prayers that Paul wrote while he was imprisoned in Rome as a minister of the gospel. In all of the prayers that we've looked at so far, both in the book of Philippians and in Ephesians and also Colossians, Paul writes out his prayer that he's praying for the church. For example, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes out the prayer that he's praying for the church at Philippi. And Ephesians chapter 1, he did that. And again, in Ephesians chapter 2, he actually had two prison prayers in the letter of Ephesians. And so in all of these these letters that he's writing from prison to the churches in different places, Paul is saying, I'm, I'm praying for you. And, I, and he writes out the actual prayer that he's praying for the people. But now when we come to the end of the book of, of Ephesians, Paul closes this letter, not with another prayer, but he closes this letter encouraging God's people to be intercessors for others. He closes this letter by encouraging the church at, at Ephesus to pray for other people. Now, the context of this request that he makes is very important. Look what he says in chapter 6, verse 10, as we just try to, to get the context. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And then beginning in verse 11 through 17, Paul deals with the armor of God. That is, he's recognizing and, and teaching the people at the church at Ephesus, we're in a spiritual battle. We need spiritual weapons. You need on a daily basis the armor of God because of the spiritual warfare that you face. And because of the struggles that we face are very real and the battles that we fight are very difficult, after he explains the armor of God, then he comes back to, the, again, this subject of praying for others. Look what he says in verse 18. <clears throat> and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. In other words, Paul was saying, here is the armor of God, and you need this on a daily basis, but you also need to be praying for one another as you fight these battles. And here's the reason. Satan will yield only what he must. So Paul says, so you need to pray in the Spirit, because you're fighting battles against spiritual forces. So praying in the Spirit, as he says in verse 18, uh, he says, and pray in the Spirit, that's how he begins verse 18. That doesn't mean to pray in an ecstatic language, it means to pray depending on the Holy Spirit, to pray trusting in the Holy Spirit of God to intercede with us and for us in the battle that we fight. Now, by the way, somebody said, when you pray in the Spirit, there's not one praying, there's two. You are praying, and the Spirit of God is praying with you. 
And then Paul also emphasizing that Satan will attack at various times, and he's relentless in what he does. Paul says, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit, watch this, on all occasions. That is, don't ever let up, don't back off, you need to pray on all occasions. And the Satan will strike in different ways, so he said you need to pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. Because Satan is going to strike you in this battle you fight. It's going to strike in many different ways. So pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then Satan will never give up. So Paul says, so be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, that's just the context because it's what comes next that I really want us to focus on. Paul said something that must have stood out as they read this letter in verse 19. Look at what he said in verse 19. Pray also for me. That's the title of my message today. Pray also for me. That is, he was saying to the church at Ephesus, as you are praying for all of these saints that I've talked about in verse 18, as you're praying for all of these saints, would you include me in your prayers? There's something powerful in that simple request of the great apostle Paul. Something powerful in Paul saying, would you also pray as you're praying? Would you also pray for me? You see, Paul understood that we cannot fight the battle in our own power. No matter how strong we are, no matter how talented we are, no matter how gifted we are, we cannot fight and win spiritual battles in our own power. So Paul said, and so church, as you're praying for others, would you put me on your prayer request list? Would you put me on your prayer list? Paul understood the importance of this. So let's see what he says. Chapter 6, verse 19 and verse 20. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly. As I should. It's interesting what Paul asked them to pray about, isn't it? You know, if it was me asking for prayer and I'm in prison, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to say, would you put me on your prayer list? Pray that I get out of here soon. Would you put me on your prayer list? Pray for safety because this is, these Roman prisons are not a very good place to be. Those are the kind of things I would be asking you to pray for. But that's not what Paul asked them to pray for. Paul asked them to pray for two things. He said, I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God will give me the right words to say while I'm in here. And I want you to pray that God will give me the courage to say it. You see, he was so focused on the gospel, his main concern, his greatest need as he's in prison in Rome is not release. His greatest need as he's in prison in Rome is I want the Spirit of God to use me while I'm here. So would you pray? Would you pray that God would give me the right words? And would you pray that God would give me the courage to speak? And it's interesting, he wrote another letter while he's in prison. We call that letter Colossians. And it's interesting, when you come to the end of that letter, guess what? He once again asked that church, a different church, to pray for him. And the prayer request sounds remarkably similar. Look in Colossians chapter 4. Go to the right, two books. Colossians chapter 4. 
Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 and following. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. And here's what I want you to pray. That God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Very similar request to what he said in Ephesians. You see, Paul understood that where he was, he had an opportunity to influence people with the gospel that others did not have. So whether he was speaking to Caesar or whether he was speaking to prison guards, he did not want to speak to them as an intimidated prisoner. He wanted to speak to them as a messenger of Jesus Christ. He wanted to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. So he said to his friends in the church at Ephesus, and he said to his friends at the church in Colossae, when you pray, would you also pray for me? Now, so using that as our background and as our context, I want to give you four things about intercessory prayer that may help you this week as you practice, as you pray for other people. Let me give you four things. Some of it will come from this text, and some of it will come from other verses, all of them written by the Apostle Paul. We're just going to use his, his spiritual walk with the Lord and his prayer life as an example for us as we talk about intercessory prayer and these four things. Here's the first one. Number one, <clears throat> sharing the gospel is a spiritual battle and must be fought in God's strength. Sharing the gospel is a spiritual battle and must be fought in God's strength. You see, both in the church at Ephesus and the church of Colossae, in both letters, Paul is asking for them to, to, to pray that a door will be opened for the gospel and that he'd be able to speak the gospel clearly and that he'd have the courage to share the gospel when he has those opportunities. Paul understood that sharing the gospel was more than simply knowing the right words. He understood that it really is a spiritual battle and it must be fought. In God's strength. He understood that though he was the great apostle, though he had been all over the world, though he had been a preacher and a missionary, he understood that his own eloquence was not enough. He understood his education was not enough. And so he's asking these churches, would you pray for me that God would give me the words to share? And would you pray for me that God would give me the courage to share it? God would give me the, an open door and I would speak clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul understood Sharing the gospel is a spiritual battle. It's got to be fought in God's strength. Let me, let me show you this in Scripture in another letter that Paul wrote. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. <clears throat> Verse 1 and 2. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord... Here he's talking about the gospel again. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And then look what he talks about their opposition. Verse 2. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. Paul is saying in verse 1, would you pray for us that the gospel would go forth? Would you, would you pray for us that the message of the Lord would spread rapidly and be honored? But, but you need to understand that there's, this is spiritual warfare. And so there's not everybody that has faith. Not everybody likes what we're sharing. Not everybody agrees with what we're doing. So would you pray that God would do something? Because it takes more than mere human strength. It takes more than mere human eloquence. 
We need God to work as we share the gospel. I was reminded, as I was preparing this this week, I was reminded of a story by George W. Truett, the famed, the famous pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, uh, back in, I think it was in the 40s. Uh, Dr. Truett, George W. Truett was... uh, he, he left one week to go preach revival somewhere in the middle of Texas. A smaller congregation, an unknown pastor, and Truett preached that, that revival series. And the Sunday night after it was all over, the pastor was taking Dr. Truett, that famous preacher, to the railroad station to go back to Dallas. And as they're standing on, on the, the dock there at the rail, railway station, Dr. Truett looked at that unknown pastor. He said, brother, it's not easy being a pastor. And it's getting harder. And then he looked him in the eyes, and that famous pastor said to the unknown pastor, If you will agree with me, God is my witness. I promise to pray for you by name every day if you'll do for me likewise. Will you agree in prayer with me? And he put out his hand, and that unknown pastor shook the hands of George W. Trudy. He said, I will. Years later, that unknown pastor said, I don't know if that meant anything to George W. Truett. He said, but that changed my ministry to know that he's praying for me every day. That's the way intercessory prayer works. You see, prayer is the energy that enables us to face and fight the enemy. Prayer is the the energy that enables us to face and fight the enemy. We need intercessors in this church. We need you to be a part of our intercessory prayer ministry. And we need you to pray that the gospel would go forth because it takes more than eloquence. It takes more than ingenuity. It takes the Spirit of God working in us and through us. Here's the second thing about intercessory prayer. I like this one. Number two, we can participate in others' struggles and victories through prayer. We can participate in others' struggles and victories. Through prayer. Again, we're looking at letters that Paul wrote. So let's go to Romans chapter 15. Over to the left to the book of Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Paul says, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, watch this, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me got that highlighted in my Bible. Join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Paul understood that when he was asking the church at Rome to pray for him, it was as if they were standing there by him, by his side. He understood that when they go to the throne of grace on his behalf, that they were joining in the struggle he was wrestling with. That when he was wrestling with the enemy, and they were wrestling for him in prayer, they were joining with him in the work that he was doing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we pray for our Go Partners. And you can share in their struggles, and you can share in their victories through intercessory prayer. Let me show you another one. Second Corinthians, go over to the right, two books. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Let's start in verse 10 and read verse 11. He has, speaking of God, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He 
will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Watch verse 11. As you help us by your prayers. I highlighted that in my Bible. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers. See, when you're praying for another believer, you're helping them as they're serving the Lord. You're helping them in their walk with God. You're helping them in in their ministry. We participate in other struggles and in their victories through prayer. Uh, One last scripture in this point. Philippians chapter 1 verse 19. Philippians chapter 1 verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, working together, your prayers, the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ is is going to bring about my deliverance. You see, oftentimes... We don't realize all that we're doing in prayer, but when you're partnering with someone in prayer, especially if it's a minister or a missionary or someone like that, you don't know what the the enemy that they're fighting, but, but you're working in conjunction with the Spirit of God, and that brings them deliverance. You can actually participate in their victories and participate in their struggles by your prayers. Oftentimes, there's a frontline person ministering like Paul, a frontline person, somebody's on the platform and everybody, everybody knows him, everybody knows her. And oftentimes there's that kind of a frontline person, but what we don't realize is behind that frontline person, there are a lot of unknown people who are praying for them and making it all possible. You probably know the name William Carey. William Carey was in the mid-1700s, uh, was a shoe cobbler. And, and, and William Carey had a heart for the nations. In fact, as he did his work of repairing shoes, he had a map of the world over his workbench. And, and he would stand there per, uh, working on the shoes, and he was looking at the map of the world, and he was praying that the peoples of the world would come to faith in Christ. William Carey, moved by the Spirit of God, decided he should be the answer to his prayers. That he should take the gospel to the nations. This was in a time when that was not uh, something that was commonly done. William Carey left his homeland and he sailed for England. He's known as the father of the missionary movement. He left his homeland never to return. Sailed for England, uh, uh, India. Sailed for India. Spent 42 years in India sharing the gospel. While he was in India, he and his and and a co-worker translated the scriptures. I'm trying to find my notes here, but I'm just going to go on memory. Trans. Oh, here it is. Translated the scriptures. Listen to this. Into 25 different Indian languages, and another the New Testament or parts of it into 15 more Indian dialects. Spent 42 years in India. Thousands of people coming to faith in Christ. You, you likely have read books written about William Carey because he was the father of missionary movement. Lots of people have books written or have written books about him. What you may not know is that there was a sister back home. She was bedridden and she was crippled. 
She was William Carey's younger sister, and they were very close. And even though he was in India, he would write home to her on a regular basis, and he would tell her about his needs and his struggles. All kinds of books have been written about him. I don't know of any book that's been written about his little bedridden sister who is back home laying in bed praying for her brother day after day, week after week, month after month. Participating in his ministry through the power of prayer. Supporting his ministry through the power of prayer. You see, we get to participate in the struggles and the victories of others as we pray for them. Number three, talking about intercessory prayer, number three is this. Distance doesn't limit the power of intercession. Distance doesn't limit the power of intercession. Here's what I mean by that. When you start reading all of these letters that, of, of Paul that he wrote from prison, and to the churches that, that he was writing to, for example, when Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he was hundreds of miles away from that church. He was in Corinth when he wrote that letter. And then when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he was two to three hundred miles away in Macedonia. And when he wrote the, to the church in Philippi and the church in Ephesus, he was imprisoned in Rome. They were in Asia Minor, over a thousand miles away. But the miracle of intercessory prayer is distance doesn't limit what prayers can do for the kingdom. I, I don't fully understand how it all works. I don't understand how my prayers in South Carolina can bring uh, encouragement and energy to our Go Partners in Cleveland. I don't understand how my prayers in my study can encourage the Lawsons in Kenya. I don't understand how my prayers as I'm walking can, can perhaps help somebody come to faith in Christ in Southeast Asia. But I have learned this over the years. Distance erases uh, or is erased by intercessory prayer. Here's what I mean by that. We can be part of what God's doing around the world. Though we can't be there, we can go to the throne of grace on behalf of what's happening there. It's amazing to me to think of how we can support people in prayer though we can't be where they are physically. So when Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and he said, would you pray for me? He was in Rome. They were in Asia Minor. When he said to Colossae, Colossae Christians, will you pray for me? He was in Rome. They were in Asia Minor. They were, they were over a thousand miles away. The beautiful thing is, we're all just a knee away from the throne of grace. We can support one another in prayer because distance doesn't matter when you're talking to Almighty God. Here's number four. Intercessory prayer is hard work because the results are often unknown or delayed. Intercessory prayer is hard work because the results are often unknown or delayed. Have you noticed intercessory prayer is not glamorous? They don't write a whole lot of stories about people who are praying for someone. You, you read the Baptist press, you're not going to see a whole lot of stories about people that are on their knees praying for somebody somewhere. And have you noticed that intercessory prayer is hard work because lots of times you don't even get to hear back about what's happening? But you just have to keep after it and keep after it and keep after it and keep after it because you believe in what's, what they're doing. Let me show you a scripture in Colossians 4 that you need to know about. Colossians 4, verse 12. 
Colossians 4, verse 12. <clears throat> Let me tell you a little bit about this church called in, in the city of Colossae. Uh, this church was not started by the Apostle Paul. It's one of the few churches that he didn't start, that he writes about. It was not started by Apostle Paul. It was probably started by, one of, by, by a young man that, that he knew named Epaphras. Epaphras. Chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. And watch this. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. He's all, what's, what's he wrestling in prayer about? He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in, the, in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Epaphras had a heart for the people in Colossae, for the church in Colossae. And so he's wrestling in prayer, Paul said. Paul said, whenever I'm around this guy, he's always wrestling in prayer for you. He has a heart for you that you would grow in your relationship with God, that you'd be mature and firm in your relationship with God. You, you, so he's always wrestling in prayer for you. Can I remind you, we've got a group of people at Mount Airy Baptist Church who are willing to do that for you. We have an intercessory prayer ministry here, and you can access it by simply going to mountairybaptist.com. And when you go to that website, you'll find that you can either place a prayer request there and ask the people of Mount Airy to pray for you about that request. It goes out daily in an email. Or you can go to that same place, mountairybaptist.com, and say, I want to be part of that intercessory prayer team. So you can sign up to be part of the prayer team, or you can put a prayer request there so that others might wrestle in prayer for you. So let me close with this word picture. Apostle Paul is sitting in a prison in Rome. He's writing out this letter, and twice in the book of, of Ephesians, he's, he's talked about, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. Here's what I'm praying. He was praying some big prayers for the church and the believers in Ephesus. And then as he comes to the end of the letter, talking about the spiritual warfare that we all battle with, he ends the letter by saying, you pray also for me. Something powerful about that. There's something amazing about the great Apostle Paul admitting I stand in need of your prayers. Listen, can I say this to you? Don't be ashamed to ask others to pray for you. You know why? It's not a sign of weakness. It's simply admitting that you know where the power source is. You're simply admitting that the power is not in you, but the power is in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And who wouldn't want His power? We all need His power. So don't be ashamed to say, hey, would you pray for me? Let's all admit where the power source is. And let's go to the throne of grace on behalf of one another. I won't tell you why. Because the enemy is relentless. The enemy does not stop. We are engaged in spiritual warfare. And so as your pastor, can I ask you? Would you pray for me? you pray for me? Ask one another, would you pray for me? Don't be afraid to ask people to do that. Let's be a people of prayer who care for one another and who pray for one another. Join me as I pray now.
Lord, thank you for reminding us that it's not a sign of weakness. It is simply admitting we know where the real power lies and it's not in us. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, to, that we can participate in the lives and in the ministries and the struggles and the victories of others as we pray for them. God, it's not glamorous and it's not easy and it's sometimes a task because we don't always get a report. We don't always know if it's done any good. But I pray the enemy won't have victory. I pray that the Spirit of God would continue to work in us and through us. May it be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand, please. how I'd like to close. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If there's a need in your life right now and you would just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Uh, would you just slip your hand up? Just You've got a silent need. Just leave it up for a moment. Let me see. All over the sanctuary. Hands going up all over. All over. Thank you. I see you up in the balcony. Yeah, Over here to my right, down the middle. All over. I see those hands. Thank you. So Lord, we come before your presence today and these are our brothers and sisters in Christ and these are people who are acknowledging by their uplifted hand that there is a need in their life. And God, though I don't know what it is, you do. We come boldly to the throne of grace acknowledging you know their name and you know their need. And God, I pray that if they are a follower of Jesus that you just be the shepherd of their life. You'd be the shepherd of their soul and that you would, like a good shepherd, meet the needs of your sheep. I pray for encouragement where it's needed. I pray for comfort where it's needed. I pray for your provision where it's needed. I pray for your guidance where it's needed. I pray that you will be the shepherd in their life. You'll provide the direction. You'll provide the provision. You'll provide the protection come before you recognizing there is an enemy. We can't fight this battle alone. So Lord, we ask for your power, for your strength, and may it be for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray.